Welcome to MTZ Overflow Podcast. You've just finished listening to the sermon. Now let's get into the overflow. We're glad you're here. are out of the playoffs uh, don't remind me <laughs> i'm going to remind you i think it's important for everyone to understand that the bucks the bucks are out i haven't been watching basketball at all at like since they got out since i haven't sat down and watched like a full game since they really out. i watched like some some parts and well or I might watch on my phone while yeah. I'm doing something else, but it's not. I haven't sat down and really gave my attention <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to a basketball game since they went out. So, so what are you watching now? Who cares? Oh, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm watching now, I know I'm looking for a series or something. I haven't really. I've been really watching TV. Uh. I know I watch ESPN, get up and then listen to Stephen A. Smith and all those crazies. <laughs> but they they talk about football all year long. Mm-hmm. So they do. They put a lot of emphasis on on football specifically. Mm-hmm. Like when they're talking, I mean, there's no football happening, but it's like, all right, the draft, right. Let's talk about college and what's the playoffs going to look like. Mm-hmm. And I know Nick I, Saban's thought that everybody's buying. What's going to say buying no athletes? What's, what y'all doing? Not buying athletes. Y'all failing. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we live by the philosophy of they want to be student athletes, so they will come here. If they're not interested in monetizing their experience, then they will come here. Mm-hmm. There's mixed philosophies on that. Yeah, I know. Um, but, yeah, I think I will say I think the NIL stuff really caught us off guard um, because we didn't think it would go how it is. And to see that some of our athletes have been really successful and thriving in that space has been kind of a bit of a shock for us. Yeah, Johnny D been getting it. Man. He was in a Taco Bell commercial the other day. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I think while he was on campus, he got like a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. Right? And so, like, who's educating him on how to manage that right. and, like, what to do with that? I mean, maybe he does have people. I'm not saying that he's not getting it. But from an institutional standpoint, we have a responsibility to provide them that those resources. 250 that's it? Some of these kids get a million dollars. I just, that's just what I know. It, you know, he, he could be getting more than that, but from what I know, it was, it was 250. Okay. But then there's all these other deals that come with it. Like some organizations are doing levels of partnerships where it's like, okay, um, say it's a car dealership and we want athletes to do promotions for them. So they'll be like, all right, we need 10 athletes and they'll each get, $20,000 $20,000 for being in this one commercial for us. Dang. There's all some donors are like, yeah, we want to sign basketball from the basketball team. Everyone from the starter to the one that never plays gets 10 walks out with $10,000. What? Yeah. Is it so stuff like that is just, it's happening and it's hard to regulate. 
So the key is to educate on the front end so that students know how to manage themselves in those situations. They need to get paid, though. I, I As much so. money they bring to these universities. Absolutely. I'm not a fan of the pay for play. Like, I think that just gets really messy, but that's what the nil is name image no it allows for the students to make money off of their own name image and likeness versus getting paid to perform their sport Mm -hmm. so then it allows for students who like say there's students that are really into like the environment and really like trying to promote that um, and sustainability they can connect with a sustainability company or an organization that's trying to do more sustainable products and they can promote that so then the athlete can get paid from say like sc johnson to um, promote their products and to use it and to um, share that message and share that story so it, it goes beyond sport I think it it focuses on sport because that's the initial catalyst, but it allows athletes to monetize their time on campus outside of sport. Okay. I think we need to get somebody on the Mount Zion NIL deal. Oh, what's that deal going to look like? (laughs) Free church. (laughs) Free church. (laughs) (laughs) That That would be something. Nah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's just a very interesting landscape and, and I'm glad because now the athletes have more of a say in, and how they can promote themselves because prior to it, it was just up to the institution and the institutions were limiting what the students were capable of doing mm-hmm. where now, and, and, and even some athletes, like they'll be here and they'll get all of this notoriety and all of this celebration. But then when they go on to whatever's next, like no one. You don't hear about them anymore. Yeah. So I, I, I think I'm it's a good thing that transfer portal. Oh my gosh! I know that's killing you all because mm-hmm. students again got power. They have power, and now it's the question is, well, how much money do I get? So if you're not giving me the same amount or more than this other school, then I'm gonna go to this other school. Dang. Uh, yeah, um, I do. I wish like there were stipulations in place where the students can't touch the money until maybe they're a certain age or they graduate or they leave that institution. Because I think, because uh, I think I don't know who was saying it. Someone was saying something about with the new facilities, with this NIL promising and the transfer portal. Um, we are no longer focusing on education, which I think was what Wisconsin's message was, was like, we need to focus on education. But you're competing against, you know, facilities and Mm -hmm. trophies and donors and sponsors. And so it gets lost and we just need more, uh, we need more communities around these young children to, help them with making these decisions that are right for them outside of these four to five years and how we can create those spaces for of education and understanding so that they know like yeah this seems great right now but what what does it look like long term Mm -hmm. when people aren't throwing thousands one thousand ten two thousand or ten thousands hundred thousands of dollars at you how do you, how do you manage that? Right. Um, and so speaking of building, hello, welcome to 
Uh, MTZ Overflow. I'm your host, Cassandra Thorpe, and I'm here with our wonderful pastor, Marcus Allen Sr. He, you flexing? You all right? Just some, too tight. Oh, muscle. <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 He's getting strong, y'all. He's here. He's... <laughs> Mm-mm. Never mind. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna <laughs> say what kind of summer it is. <laughs> uh, and so we are in the sermon series, lifting our community, which is one of our values here at Mount Zion. And uh, we were focused on the scripture of Nehemiah four six through thirteen. And in those conversations, uh, we we are also currently in a building campaign for our church. So we're trying to build a family life center. If you want to learn more about that, please go to mtzlife.com and you can see how uh, what our vision has been given to do and how you can uh, support and contribute to that. And that also dives into the text here as well. Um, so, Pastor, talk to us about what's what's going on with Nehemiah, who is Nehemiah? How did he how did he get his very special job? Right. Um so the children of Israel, they are in captivity. Um and um Nehemiah works as a cupbearer for the king. Mm-hmm. Cupbearer is someone who tastes whatever is in the cup. Before the king drinks it, because the king always suspected that someone was trying to kill him, so they had someone to uh, taste the cup, the contents of the cup. And if Nehemiah lived, the king would drink. But if Nehemiah died, the king would not drink. So he's pretty much a sacrifice. Mm. So daily he lived. He was literally what Paul suggests a living sacrifice <laughs> um, because he would take what's in the cup for the king uh, to prevent the king from being poisoned. Mm-hmm. So he's a cupbearer, and, and while he's a cupbearer, um, he hears that um, some of the people, the children of Israel, had been let uh, allowed to go back home, mm-hmm. and Ezra was one of the priests they go back home and they rebuild the temple and when they rebuild the temple um they did not rebuild the walls mm-hmm. the walls signify protection or fortified fortification right and so nehemiah prays he prays to god and asking god to um to help them mm-hmm. or what should he do and um after he prays he talks to the king and the king allows him to go back and he gives him supplies mm-hmm. on his way back. Um, so the government helped him build the wall. Mm. Right. Um, outside sources helped mm-hmm. build the wall. Even though the children of Israel, the citizens of this um, this country that was in ruins now, mm-hmm. they were coming back home to rebuild the wall, but the material and the product came from outside sources Mm -hmm. and so that's that's nehemiah he's he's not of um a warrior a fighter he's not strategic planner he's a Mm cupbearer who had a calling on his life to do something for the people of god that only he could do Mm -hmm. and so nehemiah teaches us a lot of lessons 
um, here that that when God has placed vision within us, mm-hmm. if we follow God, He will allow what He put in us to come to pass. Mm. He, he proves that, and He proves the persistence that we must have to the vision. Um, because I'm pretty sh- he didn't see the wall built. The wall wasn't built, mm-hmm. right? He had to go build the wall. And he only had that based off a vision or a calling that God had put in him, a burning this, um, what God had put inside of him to complete this task that God had given. Because it has to be God ordained to mm-hmm. do something like that. Yeah. And receive the help and the support from the people and from outside resources to come and do the work um, that God had called him to do. And so when you trust God and you trust that what God has put in you, he'll make it come to pass. Right. Yeah. Um, providing the resources that makes uh, and not having, you know, the you just have the vision or the idea of what God's told you to do. I just think about how Noah and the ark. Right. We mm-hmm. talk about that a lot. And. God told him to build it and he's like why Lord and why me and um, we see that being a very significant part in um, creation Um, and so to to see that with Nehemiah also so seeing that show up again um, it just continues to show how how God continues to show up and and create space and for those who answer the call and are attentive to the vision to create um, the things that we need to in order to protect ourselves Mm -hmm. Um, because God sees something farther down the road that's going to come and get us uh, and we need to set that up Um, and and, uh, as you started in the sermon uh, this week (laughs) you were you were back in your history bag pastor (laughs) (laughs) pulling out all uh all of the Mount Zion history and and you said that Mount Zion is a mission church are there different types of churches in that sense it shouldn't be okay <laughs> I, I'm just, all I'm, churches should be mission minded and that is the great commission mm-hmm. um, I think the intentionality must be there um, when they created the church they were just setting it up as a site to do missionary work mm-hmm. that's what i'm assuming when they said it was a mission church it wasn't it was a church that started um, by a couple of preachers from milwaukee in chicago and i don't think no one was from madison so mm-hmm. they were on the mission to start something here mm-hmm. um, in a small um, room above a harness shop mm-hmm. where they was creating the church and we look back we can always say that our people did so much more with less back then than what we have now mm. and and we find it hard to do more with the more that we have mm-hmm. right they didn't have much so they wasn't what uh 30 years removed from slavery 35 45 46 years mm-hmm. 1865 so so no they you know they still generations of people that probably lived in slavery are now mm-hmm. coming moving north um so 1910 is 
you know, when pretty much the lynching tree started. Mm-hmm. And then you know, by 1920, the Great Migration starting to happen during the Great Depression mm-hmm. and World War One and stuff like that. And so these people came together and started a church during this period in 1911. Mm-hmm. And so for our church to still be thriving and being what it is today, it took a lot of perseverance back then mm-hmm. because black people were now just being looked at as people. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then, you know, twenties happened in thirties when they took all the rights back from us mm-hmm. <laughs> with the Jim Crow laws and things like that. And so we see, but they still see the church still being able to stand all of that and still be persistent in the work that they were able to do back then. It speaks highly of the level of hope, prayer, and faith um, that those people had mm-hmm. um, because we stand on their shoulders today. And I'm pretty sure um, what Mount Zion is today was not a part of their wildest dreams. Mm. Um, they were just trying to do the Christian work uh, for black people in this area. And so I, so I thank God for the history of the people who came before us and the pastors who, who, who did the work mm-hmm. before, before us. And we're able to be here today because of their commitment in 1911. And so church was a um, small church and then they had a church right there on uh, I think East Wash or Johnson Street something like University and the University of Wisconsin was expanding mm-hmm. so they asked them to move and Pastor Dawson at that time you know, I think he's the long, longest tenured pastor mm-hmm. um, of Mount Zion he served the longest um and uh, he was a builder and he was a visionary mm. and he was a literal builder where most of the old side that we that we still use today he built with his hands mm. wow. and it was remarkable to see in the history that um, he asked all the deacons to bring a thousand dollars and I looked at that math I think it says today that thousand dollars that he was asked for back then was worth about ninety six hundred dollars mm-hmm and um, he asked them to bring that, mm. and and they brought it in uh, metal crayon boxes, mm-hmm. uh, paper bags, grocery bags. No one brought checks or cash or mm-hmm. money orders. It was mm-hmm. all cash. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> so you know what type of people they were, mm-hmm. right? They weren't people that had money in the bank, right? And they had a thousand dollars in the bank that's where they had to go under their mattress or go sell some stuff or whatever it took um, for the building of the new church. These 11 deacons gave a thousand dollars to make sure that happened. And so that that's remarkable to look at that yeah, history. Um, and so they were able to build and he built it and he wanted the church right in the heart of the community. Mm-hmm. And that's where Mount Zion pretty much resides right now. In the heart of the community, we're surrounded by low-income HUD houses. Mm-hmm. Um, Penn Park uh, is the gathering place on the south side for African Americans, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and so we're like right in the heart of the community, and that was his vision uh, for that to happen, and um, that's where we are today. And I thank God for for those people who went before us. But as the sermon was titled those people had a mind to work mm-hmm. they you know you had to have a mind to be intentional mm-hmm. about what you were doing back then to be able to say hey 
in the midst of this discrimination we're facing, in the midst of this separate but equal laws we're enduring, in the midst of the civil rights movement, because this happened in 1960, mm-hmm. um, we want to build a church. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, we, I commend their, their tenacity and their faith and then also their fortitude to press forward. Yeah. Yeah, the minds of work. They came together for the for the mission. Mm-hmm. Everybody was was on the same page, and that always helps moving ideas forward. Right. Um, and so, going going back into the text with with Nehemiah, and he he had a mind to work, almost in, in two spaces. So he had his role as the cupbearer, and then he also had his role as the as the high priest. Is that Mm-mm. high official? Yeah. Um, he was no. He was a the project manager for the building of the oh. wall. <laughs> <laughs> project manager, put that down. Um, so he he had those two roles, and and he showed up for both of them, which is, I think, at times we can only handle one, mm-hmm. one call, one responsibility, one right. job, and for for Nehemiah, both of his jobs were risks for his life um and i think that's something that to to be mindful of uh, in his in his role um and he faced great opposition you so i'm i'm gonna read your notes back to you okay. and and i just need to clarifying piece. This, this is for me y'all i don't I, y'all may have got this. this this one's for me uh but you say uh, as he journeyed home to rebuild the wall Nehemiah faced great opposition but the bible says so we rebuilt the wall for the people had a mind to work there was opposition uh and so what for for me it was like he faced opposition but there the people made it happen but yet there was still opposition like I, I think I, I got lost in it. Okay. Yeah, so as they were building the wall, um, Sam Ballot, Tobias, um, the Arabs, other countries were coming together to go against them. Mm. And they came and told them, hey, you got to stop building this wall. And Nehemiah said, oh, I can't come off the wall. Mm. Right? And, and if you read the story, it tells how how they were, these other countries and these men, they were trying to stop Nehemiah from building the wall and they was trying to put fear in the people mm-hmm. um, to say, hey, um, while you're building, there are spots and we're going to invade you and you'll never know we come. I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing. Um, so those are the oppositions um, that, that they were facing. But yet and still, the people continued working mm. hearing the threats hearing about the opposition hearing of the obstacles um they still decided you know we we cannot stop building what god has called us to do and so not only is um nehemiah under attack personally but the but the collective people will be under attack from these opposing armies mm. Um, and so they kept working. Mm. Um, they they decided, you no, know, if we build a wall, it'll protect us from the outside forces. Mm. That's my interpretation 
of why they kept working was to build something effective enough to prevent the enemy from getting in. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that, that helps. Thank you. Yeah. Because I'm sure, I think, probably as as I imagine a wall, just four walls going up around, I presume that they were given the vision and the uh, and ability to create a non-traditional type wall. So it's not just bricks or cinder blocks just like going up around kind of as if you were to build like a Lego wall. There's probably, I I presume like layers to the walls in the sense like maybe it's like double walled and maybe it was built like at an angle. No, I don't know. It doesn't say. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe they use special mud and clay. I don't no, know. Yeah, Make don't it know. slippery, you know, like Vaseline on the face. For right. a punch. No, so <laughs> normally um, in those days, though, the cities were fortified by the walls. Mm-hmm. And and so they it was normally only one way in and one way out. Okay. And, and, uh, and the way that the walls would be up, and often you'll see, you know, guards and stuff on the towers or and in order to get in there would be a gate and guards and mm. stuff and so no one can get in the city unless they were familiar citizens and things like that so mm. that's the type of wall they was building for the protection of the city but if the wall wasn't built to its complete height because they were only halfway done mm. at this time if it wasn't built to its complete height um, people just jump over the wall Okay. Right. And so um, I served in the United States Army. Mm-hmm. And one thing I used to always, my last deployment to Afghanistan was um, I was the sergeant of the guard for the entry control point. And so that's when everybody come in. Mm. Uh, so we only had two two areas where you can come in, one on foot, one through vehicles. Mm. And so I was responsible for the vehicle side. And now we were always responsible for the perimeter of the post. Mm. So we had gates with um, barbed wire, things like that, to prevent people from trying to get in. So we had to patrol, had to drive around. Mm. And oftentimes, um, or sometimes the local nationals, we'll have them doing, watching, and Mm. we'll find them sleep (laughs) (laughs) or they just leave Mm -hmm. (laughs) without telling us. And so when there's no one watching, then he has the ability for someone to come under attack and get, and have someone get behind the wall or with our case beyond the fence, Mm -hmm. it was a capability for them attacking us and us not knowing that they're there. Mm. And so this building of the wall protected them from outside forces Okay. Yeah. It mm. was like it's a strategic weapon um that does not fire back but protects what's on the inside. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good to know. That's a good that's a good visual. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh so going into your your first point, uh, God's promise from the past provides blessings in the present. You immediately go into prayer, and I love that. You continue to set us up to make sure that we are praying before we do anything. Right. Um, and I think prayer 
specifically kind of hears is is that that reminder for us that we need to to remember what what God's done right. um, for us. Um, I did have a question though, and and but like, do do promises run out? And I ask this because it's like once fulfilled, like do they go do they go away? So thinking of um, so if we go back and we look at Moses and it was the promised land and mm. eventually the Israelites got there. That that's a different story for a different day. Um, but once that happens and that's fulfilled, does does is no one um, is that promise no longer available, or how does how does that work? Well. Well, I think God is a promise keeper. And if we look through the Bible, we have thousands of promises in which he gives unto us. And most of them start with prayer. Because mm-hmm. we have to pray to to understand who God is. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, prayer is our communication with God. And it's through the Bible who tells us about God. Mm-hmm. But when we pray... Um, our promises do not have expiration dates on them. Mm-hmm. Like you got to use this promise by then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if you use this promise by this time, then it's over. Uh, because if we look back at what Nehemiah says uh, in Nehemiah 1, he says, remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses. All right. This is hundreds of years later. Mm. And he's praying a prayer that God, a promise that God gave Moses, right? And so this promise did not um, go away. He says, uh, he said, you you, you promised your servant Moses, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter. You among the nations, that's them going into captivity. Mm -hmm. That's them going into um, slavery pretty much. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, those through those some can't see <laughs> <laughs> those some of you were cast out to the uh, furthest part of the heavens. Yet I would gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. And so so what Nehemiah does, he reminds God of a promise he gave Moses in order to use it in that present moment. Mm. Right. And so he said, God, you promised Moses. You told Moses that if we were unfaithful, that you were going to scatter us. Mm-hmm. And you've been a man of that word. Mm-hmm. But then you also told us if we return and we repent to you then you will also bring us back and put us in a place with your name on it. Mm -hmm. And so he just reminds God of what he said in the past in order to get what he needed in the present. Just in case God forgot. You feel me? (laughs) And that's why I use the analogy, daddy, you say it. Yeah. My kids have done me like that multiple times. Not your Um, Daddy, can I go to this place for my birthday? I was like, yeah. And then some, one of my children, I'm not going to call their name, they have a birthday party mm-hmm. on their birthday, and the next day they start planning for the next year. Oh, right. And sometimes just to keep them from talking or just saying, "Okay, cool, we'll do that," <laughs> unconsciously, not knowing <laughs> that 
that they will remember when that time comes up again for mm-hmm. their birthday that they were asked for the, what they had already asked prior to a year ago. You feel me? Yeah. And and the response is, but daddy, you mm. say it. And sometimes I feel obligated to it, and other times I'd be like, no, nah, get out of my face. Yeah. Um, but, but that daddy you said put a different twist on the request mm. because it's a promise that I gave. Yeah. And I don't want to be known as... Um, someone who does not keep his promises, especially to my children. Mm-hmm. When I give so much of myself to so many other people, mm. I want them to know that they have me 100% all the time. And so um, um, this is Nehemiah in the text. He's reminding God of what he said in the past in order to get what he needed in the present. Mm. And so that's what we must do when we have a mind to work. We must remember the promises of God. And and for all of us who are Christian, the Bible is full of them. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. Mm-hmm. And all of these things will be added unto you. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Acts and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. These promises that Jesus and God has given us can only come to pass by by our obedience to what mm-hmm. he said right mm-hmm. um and, and so that's 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 why we got we have to be able to take um god's promise from the past to receive blessings in the present because yeah. i'm pretty sure he told um these church planners of mount zion that he was going to take care of the church mm-hmm Right. And we can see it through the history and we read the history of the church and seeing how God provides, how God makes a way, how, how God opens doors for the church many years ago. And so we can take what God did in the past and be assured what God would do in the present. Mm-hmm. And so we got to remind God of past promises in order to get the blessings of the present. Yeah. And and living in those in those blessings in different spaces in different areas um so kind of so going back to the wall fulfilling the promise uh you said the the wall represents the external components of the church is that as i'm reading it and, and understanding it it's that the wall is a connection and not a barrier right. is that correct for us Mm-hmm. For, them, for, for it, us, yeah, for, for them, them it was protection. It was and, protection and fortification mm-hmm. um, from what was going on inside. But we, um, as a church, we don't want to be in a community and no one knows who we are. Mm. We don't want our wall to be a fortified wall, but we want our wall to be a representation of who the church is. And mm. so we want our wall to, to, to be able to help people come in and not keep people out. Um, because we, I think I say in the sermon, we don't want to be a well church in a sick community. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. Because if what's around us is sick, then the church just may be sick also. Mm-hmm. And so we need to have connections also with the community that is around us mm-hmm. so that we can be able to 
have that impact on their lives, not only just spiritually, but physically and mentally and relationally and engaging uh, with all people from all cultures, or all backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why we need to build the wall, the wall of the Family Life Center. Mm-hmm. And it won't be a, a wall that keep people out, but it's a bigger wall to allow more space to bring more people in. Mm. And so that that's what, what I'm, I'm relating to there because sometimes, and we talked about it in Bible study, that the church can be so inwardly focused mm-hmm. that it, re, it refuses to see outwardly mm-hmm. what's going on around them. And whenever we become too inwardly focused, uh, we fortify ourselves, we isolate ourselves, and the church dies, which we don't want that. We want the church to live on and be vibrant and be relatable and be able to connect, especially with the community in which the church resides in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's good. That makes sense because um, we very much need to need to expand and be more inviting in. I think our culture does a lot with, um, like, I'm one way at work, but I'm a different way at home. Mm -hmm. And so there's already, like, different walls up of how you should, quote-unquote, conduct yourself in these different institutions. And I think there is a, a place of respect with that, but it shouldn't just be limited, like, to that like you can't be respectful to your boss but then disrespectful to the person at the grocery store All right you know like, like we have to continue to um be the people that god has called called us to and have god in all of those spaces um to continue to, to continue his work uh, your second point uh is we are building on the past and preparing for the future um and you talk about one of one of your notes is or one of the things you say is that um, just because you are working for the Lord doesn't mean you have been exempt from exhaustion and granted from some type of super strength. And listening back to the sermon, I could feel in in the building just like a big like exhale <laughs> from people, right? Because <laughs> there are people that have been working hard and working long and, and trying to do the work in their ministry that have felt that they have been alone. Right. And I think at times the expectation from, I'm just going to say church, cause I felt it at different um, church institutions is like, you know, people, they just, they just work and it's for God's glory. So like we shouldn't be tired. Like that's kind of the message is it's God's work, so it's fun, it's great. You, he'll <laughs> give you the energy to do it. and then I, But you, you can see the wear and tear that it has on people. So I thank you for acknowledging that out right. loud uh, for, for people. Yeah, because if you look at this narrative, um, Judah, he comes to Nehemiah and says, hey, the people are tired, mm-hmm. right? Um, because when you work, we're not supermen or women. We don't we don't come from um, what Superman come from Kryptonite or Krypton <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're not from somewhere Krypton. <laughs> whatever wherever you know we 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 were born of a woman all of us uh, we went through the normal conception process <laughs> and so none of us are like Christ 
mm-hmm. where we where 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 he was born of a virgin. So we we don't possess this unlimited amount of strength. And that's why Paul tells us, don't be weary in well-doing, mm-hmm. which suggests you can get tired from doing good things. Mm. <laughs> right? Mm. Uh, uh, you can get tired for doing well things, helping people, serving at church, um, serving in a food kitchen or or a homeless meal or or ushering or singing in the choir. You can get tired from those types of things. And this is and this is what Judah is saying to Nehemiah, hey, the people are tired. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, God just blessed that with me to say, hey, um, we can't do it all. Something I still struggle with, mm-hmm. right? I still think I'm Superman. Uh, but um, fatigue happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't be weary I mean you can't get um totally exhausted from the work of god mm-hmm. and so i think that w- that's very important for all anyone who serves in church work yes we need you to do the work but you you too have to know when i say uh i'm tired mm-hmm. and uh and i think people can respect that mm-hmm. yeah there definitely has to be respect there um and you t- <clears throat> excuse me in continuing to build the wall um i will say when when i first read it i was just like oh they just have clean space to just build a wall there's nothing there no obst- no physical obstructions um and then you talk about the rubbish from the old destruction mm-hmm. uh what what was was there a wall there before yeah before jerusalem was invaded before they were conquered, they had a wall. They had a temple. Okay. But when they go back to build, they see the rubbish from prior destruction. And so the rubbish reminds them of their sin. Mm. They constantly see what happened to them when they stepped away from God. Destruction. Mm-hmm their past it was a re- as they were trying to build for the future mm-hmm. they had a constant reminder of the past right <laughs> as they were trying to go forward they had something that constantly reminded them of what happened in the past and so they they are they're having to build around this rubbish they're having to build around these broken cinder blocks or mm-hmm. stones they're mm-hmm. having to build around and on top you feel me mm-hmm. and so i think even with us today we're able to build because of what happened in the past mm-hmm. right we, we 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 understand that is some things that happened in the past that we can build on top of and some things we need to push to the side mm-hmm because if we don't, then we won't be able to build properly because we won't be effective builders with so much rubbish. Right? Mm-hmm. Now we can refurbish stuff, but everything can't go. Right. Everything we can't build with. And so we have to um be intentional about removing some excuse me, removing some things that hinders building upwards. Mm-hmm. 
Now some rubbishness and stay at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Just build on top of it. Yeah. And some of it we need to just push it out of the way mm-hmm. because it's not worth anything. And so this is what these people are doing. They are building with a reminder of the previous destruction. Wow. Which is which is hard too, right? Because maybe some things that they hadn't thought about for how many years? Hundreds. Hundred. Well, probably not them, but yeah. but maybe stories that have been passed down mm-hmm. that they, you know, they're like, oh, my grandmother had this, or my great uncle had that. Right. They said, I remember them ta- telling me about mm-hmm. this house and how it sat here, and so it brings up old old memories and. And I can only presume that as this uh, family and life center ideation and conversations have been happening, people are very concerned about what we'll call preserving history mm-hmm. and yet not filtering for fear of potentially missing or feeling that um, we're viewing it as, as not important. And I can... I'm not in those conversations and I'm glad I'm not. (laughs) So I pray for you, pastor. But, uh, to, to that point of if we're trying to build this family life center, we do, there, there are things that we need to remove. Um, I can speak of in the old sanctuary. We don't, we don't need those steps there. They are not serving us. So, you know, it's kind of like where people have to live on, on the memories of what happened there versus the physicalness of, of the steps um i don't i'm not a huge fan because they have power outlets for um like sound equipment and they don't work mm-hmm. so as a new as as a new person in the role that i right. do um like that that doesn't serve me in that way but that's but that may not be everybody's experience and then in a way to preserve it and to honor it i think as as we build it would be um, the most ideal because I think because right now our history s- sits in a closet right so right so it, it was uh, good to have it out on church anniversary mm-hmm. right very good uh, so people can be able to see um, the different levels of the church and see where the church came from mm-hmm. to where the church is today um, and it's just um yeah, some stuff has to go, mm-hmm. right? And and uh, and we can't build with certain things, and so it's tough. Yeah, it's so hard um, to see where you want to go, but can't get there because other people can't. Yeah, and so and so that's that's well, that's the frustration sometimes, but that's also the burden and the blessing. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not trying to you know put more. Um, sermons in your pocket mm-hmm. or tell you what to talk about but I think there is definitely some worthy exploration here about people maybe coming back or like say they went and they sought help and they're coming back maybe to like their home and the situations that are there that have been like their old destruction of their old life mm-hmm. and how they want to rebuild it and how they need to lean on God to do that so there's a potential that's a good there, look. There could be one. I'm not telling you how to do your job, but <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but you know, you did say you were taking suggestions, so yeah. <laughs> a Bible study. Oh. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> uh, then your your third point of remember the Lord and build for a purpose, which I think that's where the vision is. 
um, and kind of fulfilling that purpose. Uh, you gave me a shout out, which I was super geeked about. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> Yo, from doing these podcasts and the way you look at the Bible, you make me look at it differently. Oh, and um, thank you. And, and so sometimes, even in those moments, like even if I don't catch it in my study, but if I catch it in the pulpit, I'm like, dang, CT will probably look at this this way. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that it came out of me in that moment. So I had to give you credit for it. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just so um, it's so interesting. I just wonder like what the additional players are are thinking about because like exactly how you said like don't be afraid like nehemiah mm-hmm. is telling them don't be afraid and i was just like i was like all right so if i'm so if i'm one of the people and he's like don't be afraid i'll be like yeah okay maya this looks like uh <laughs> this is about to be a problem they right. keep coming they're talking to me i got my own stuff my mom's dealing with this like how am i not supposed to be afraid i'm literally exposed right now right and then and then i also thought about nehemiah's presence in the sense of like what does this man look like mm-hmm. so like the message becomes very different if he's like a frail person you know like this like little skinny frail man versus like someone who looked like esau right like that message comes very differently and like following behind him like if he was frail and he's like don't be afraid i'll be like what you gonna do <laughs> but if he looks like esau i'll be like all right we don't have a description of what he looks like and what he we know what his skill set is. We know who he is. He's a cupbearer. Yeah, right. And, and that's his job. Be like, bro, like, bro, you, you taste wine all day. You, you a drunk in that's all actuality, right? <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, you know, he he comes and he tells these all these people, do not be afraid. Yeah. What? Do you hear about the rumors? Do you hear about what's about to happen? Do you see what we have? Did you not see the Jerusalem Daily? Do you, <laughs> do you, <laughs> you hear what they saying about you on Snapchat? <laughs> right. right. They doing TikToks about us right now. Bro, they you in dancing. the shade room, you bro. <laughs> and they said, don't worry, don't worry, don't be afraid. Remember your God. Yeah. And then you talk, um, what? yes, the remember. Mm-hmm. And you provide what I have I have five examples just in the sermon of remembering God like when he created the heavens and mm-hmm. the earth when he saved Moses which is who Nehemiah referenced right. previously you remember Moses right like Joshua to the Jordan mm-hmm. I was with Ruth um with David right. um like all of these rememberings um and one one line that you had was uh, recalling the past in order to get the people to work in the present. Mm-hmm. And I thought about a workout that I did yesterday. I did a basketball workout. I haven't done an actual basketball workout in a long time. Okay. That's like uh, the day I gave you them buckets. No, 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 no. Not that time. Okay. Not that time. Because I don't remember that time. You don't remember that time? Yeah, it's so, cool. so interesting. All right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't I wasn't playing um, like on a team, but I like went out. I was doing drills. Okay. And just uh, I was out there and I the self-talk that I was having 
was very instructional and very positive. And I was recalling when I had done this mm. in college or even a little bit post-college of, okay, we need to make sure our feet are set. Right. You didn't follow through the way that you were supposed to. Okay, here we go. Like, you know how to do this. You mm. just got to, like, get your muscles used to it. Um, and so, like, that that piece, I was like, yeah. that I had past success when I did those workouts, and I was a lot more efficient when I would play games because I did those workouts. Right. And so I saw a lot of the benefits in making sure that I – recalled on my past success in order to keep going in the present. Cause there was definitely a time where I was like, man, I ain't even playing like this anymore. I play once a week. I don't need to do all this, but I wanted to, con- I wanted to be better at that. And I knew that that was the vision that I have for myself. So I recalled on how, how I had gotten to be successful and how I got to that point and just, and, and used it as like essentially motivation mm-hmm. in order to get to get through that. Um, yeah, I think this week I started uh, another one of my children. They said, "Hey, I wanna I wanna start working out." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Cool, let's go." And um, I stopped running. I haven't been running since twenty twenty mm-hmm. because my knee mm-hmm. my knee be hurting mm-hmm. so bad. So I stopped running. And we got the little Peloton bike, mm-hmm. and so I've been doing that. And it's no, it's not hard on my knees, mm-hmm. um, so it's low impact cardio. And so, but I got out there Tuesday, and I started running. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, my whole <laughs> body was like, what? <laughs> what are you doing, Bucko? <laughs> so knees, back. Everything, ankles, <laughs> bottom of my foot, cramping, Aww. and uh, but like I tell my my children, though, um, the body will do what the mind tells it to do, mm. mm-hmm. and and if you don't have the mental fortitude, your body will give out on you. Mm-hmm. So you got to learn how to push past that pain, the threshold of pain, every time in order to get stronger mm-hmm. because if you quit every time of the that that engine light come on you know <laughs> you see it in your head ding, 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 yeah, too much yeah. too much yeah. if you quit then um you'll never progress mm-hmm. you'll never get stronger you'll never get better because you never push yourself beyond that point of i want to give up and so i wanted to quit so bad but i just remi- remember runs I in the army mm-hmm. you know that's all we do is run just remembering those runs um trying to block out the pain and um and and I finished you know what I'm saying good and so but today I went back to the peloton <laughs> Jesus that pavement is hard the pavement is hard mm-hmm. not mean yeah. So that's and that's what this and this was Nehemiah is trying to tell the people. Mm-hmm. Remember your God. And I think something is very unique about this is he didn't say create a vision about God mm. or think something about your God. He's saying you've all experienced God before. Mm-hmm. Now remember what He's done in the past in order for us to get what we need done right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what. Um, that was his goal. He wasn't trying to tell them to talk, to remember something they had never experienced. Right. Mm-hmm. Or to create 
a God they had never been in relationship with. But now he's telling them to remember what God had done for them. And if they were still alive, they had something to shout about because mm-hmm. and when Babylon had came into the city and destroyed the city, he could have killed them. Mm-hmm. But God spared them. And so I think that's a, that's very important right there. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Because it's our experience with God, not mm, not either someone else's or mm-hmm. an imagining like having tangible um examples like you with running with with me with my basketball career like that those are very tangible things that Mm -hmm. we can hold on to and draw from Mm. um and yeah i think kind of the the rest of the sermon we talk about like the the times like put a sword in one hand and and excuse me and complete construction in the other because you you had to you had to protect and build we have to do both kind of the my point earlier of like at times we don't we don't want to do both see like now i'll just hold the sword and and be here while you work or Mm -hmm. or i'll work and and i'm not holding the sword like to be to have to do both and then to protect the family thinking of like the toll that that can take on somebody again to doing the work and being tired. Look at you tying this all in. This is beautiful. <laughs> You're so good. You are good. <laughs> Yo, he gave him a purpose to work. Yeah, he did. What was the purpose? The purpose was I'm going to put your family, your family not going to be in hiding. They're going to be sitting there right there watching you work. And, and you got to have this mindset. If I don't work, my family don't eat. Mm. If I don't work, my family's gonna die. If I don't work, if I don't build this wall, they're gonna invade this city and gonna take my family away from me. And if you love your family, you know you'll do anything to make sure they stay protected. So, on one hand, I have a chisel mm-hmm. or a hammer or or some whatever tool, and on the other hand, I have a spear and a sword mm-hmm. because I never know when the enemy is gonna come. But everything I'm doing is for a purpose, and that's to protect my family. And I think, and that's what that's our mindset for this family life center. Mm-hmm. That's how do we enhance our families by building this building? Mm. Those are all of the questions that I have for you. Do you have any uh, pastor's parting pieces? Nah, <laughs> give. So the building project as the Lord has prospered you and the Lord will bless it. That's all that I have. God bless you all. <laughs> well, thank you, Pastor, again for another wonderful episode and conversation of the MTZ Overflow. Uh, be sure to continue to check back for more episodes. And until then, stay marvelous, fabulous, and blessed. Peace.